Welcome back to the Savage Land. It is a new month. March has just started, and with it, Comic Bento is bringing you a new box. But before I get to that, I did want to just congratulate Rachel. Uh, she's been, uh, I think she's missed two episodes in a row now, but she just got engaged. So everybody, uh, I don't know, reach out through Twitter or Instagram or some shit like that. Give her a congratulations. Her and Captain America got engaged and it's just adorable. They came out to my neck of the woods and, and did something. I can't even remember what Rachel said it was, but it was cute. Just trust me on that one. She'll talk about it next week. I'm sure. Uh, anyway, back to, uh, the ad read comic bento. Obviously you've heard them before. Um, March's theme for comic bento is going digital. Plug in your USBs, fire up your modems, and get your circuit boards installed because Comic Bento is going digital. All of the books in this collection feature stories of technology and how it enhances, changes, and in some cases, tries to eradicate life. Log on, sign up, and get yourself a going digital Comic Bento. But hurry, we pulled the plug on this box at 11.59pm Eastern Standard Time on March 31st. If you go to comicbento.com and use the promo code SAVAGE, you'll get $5 off your first box. That's comicbento.com, promo code SAVAGE, and that'll get you $5 off your first box of sick-ass comics. Um, This episode is with Daniel Warren Johnson, who is the writer and artist of such comics as Extremity and Space Mullet. Uh, He was also the artist of The Ghost Fleet, written by Donnie Cates, and he is generally referred to as one of the greatest cartoonists in comics today um if you check out his work if you haven't before it is absolutely stunning just sort of dripping with energy and i don't know i I fell in love with extremity from the moment i read it i can't wait for the final issue of extremity which is issue number 12 um and i believe that comes out next week i'm double checking that right now through the power of google um yep it comes out march 7th so make sure uh next week you check out the final chapter of the extremity saga um catch up via comiXology stuff like that and uh follow daniel warren johnson he's a he's a great guy and you can learn a lot about comics and storytelling from him um but i hope you like this interview we kind of go all over the place we talk about his history getting into comics uh when he was a teacher a middle school teacher um trying to teach art and how that kind of played a role in leading to his comics career. We talk about him working with Donnie Cates. Apparently this is, this is what he told me. And so you'll, you'll have to uh, berate Donnie Cates on Twitter until he comes on the show and confirms or denies this. But according to Daniel, there is some sort of project that they've had kind of sitting on a shelf for a while that they want to do together. Uh, Both of them are only getting hotter in the industry. And I think uh, we've talked about both of them at length before on the show I don't know. I, I'd love to see it. Um, so through through the power of Twitter, I think we can get Donnie on the show to really hammer down whether or not that is true and if it's actually going to happen. But apparently, according to Daniel, he'd, he'd like to do it still. Um, or maybe maybe you can even pressure like one of them to say what it is. That'd be nice. Either way, enjoy this episode uh, with Daniel Warren Johnson, and we will uh, we'll chat at you next week. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Savage Land. I'm Jason, and joining me today is uh, a guest who is highly revered among artists themselves, which is usually uh, a great sign when you're when you're looking to somebody who is respected among the peers and their craft. You know, like if you're if you're talking to a guitarist and they can't shut up about some other guitarist, or if you're talking <laughs> to a singer or somebody like that. Uh, this is a guy who other artists just can't seem to shut up about. 
And for good reason, uh, you know him from comics such as Extremity, his webcomic uh, Space Mullet, um, his, his work with uh, Donnie Cates on the Ghost Fleet. His name is Daniel Warren Johnson. Thanks for joining the show, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Thanks, man. Uh, so th- there's a, a few things that I, I kind of want to talk about today. But one thing is uh, the other day, let's see, this was a couple weeks ago, you posted a picture of your studio. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to, to ask you a few questions about just some of the contents in that picture, if that's okay. Sure. Of course. Okay, cool. So first off, I noticed there's a guitar there. Uh, <laughs> are, you, are you big into to music, guitar, all that stuff? Yes, uh, definitely. I would say music is probably the uh, number two thing after drawing really? and uh, art. Oh, yeah. And has it always um, been guitar? It's always been guitar since I was about 11. Mm-hmm. Um, I started taking lessons. My dad got me a PV, tele- a PV uh, Telecaster okay. way back when I was 11. I started taking lessons. I took lessons for two years, and I started kind of doing my own thing mm-hmm. with guitar and teaching myself just punk rock songs. <laughs> um, and ever since then, it's been uh, it's kind of been this really amazing, I don't know, stress reliever, and I don't know. It's more than a hobby, but it's also not something I, I you know I ever do for money or professionally at all. Mm. Um, I jam with some friends. I'm really into metal. Okay, um, I really love playing fast and i like i like to try and shred i, I don't think <laughs> i could actually say that i'm successful at it but i don't know um, i mean i saw a video uh that uh felix Liu, who's your your art agent or art representative right yes yes so i saw a video that they posted where where you know they're showing you draw one of the pages from extremity and you're kind of like jamming on the guitar over the whole thing and you're 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 shredding pretty hard at least for me thanks, i'm man. a layman though oh well uh i think i'm a layman too i think <laughs> You know, I, it's, if it's just like drawing, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, you really want to be a shredder. It's something that you have to do like eight hours a day for years and years and years. Yeah. And I just haven't put that kind of time in because I don't, um, I just don't have that kind of time, you know, it's not my full-time job. So because of that, um, I just try and have fun and try and focus more on like writing cool songs and riffs rather than uh lighting up the fretboard with fire but i try (laughs) well i mean you know who really wants to be a shredder honestly then you got like all these turtles coming after you you got to worry about and uh, (laughs) it's a dumb joke um so i I noticed it's all good (laughs) i i noticed uh another thing in in your studio here that i find kind of interesting is that uh it looks like you have a cintiq in there but i know that most of your stuff tends to be traditional so where where does the uh the cintiq sort of come into play for you yeah um so comics aren't my only gig Mm. um especially when i first started comics like when i first started space mullet Mm -hmm. i was doing a lot of uh storyboard uh, freelance illustration um a lot of some more like graphic design style work Mm -hmm. um and all of that really did require uh kind of like a digital workspace that was a cut above you know maybe like a bamboo tablet yeah and uh it was. Uh, it's been great. It's been a great addition, and now I still use it. I use it every day for things like um, thumbnails for the comics that I put together, mm. uh, and also for like throwing together really quick sketches to show different publishers for cover ideas mm. or different pitches for different things. Um, and also, it's great. You know, if I ever need to color something, or you know, sometimes I'll have to give Mike Spicer, my colorist. 
on almost everything I do now. <laughs> uh, I'll have to give him like a little, just, you know, like Theo's jacket is red and it's this kind of red. And there's okay, a yellow like a here. And I'd like you to color hold this and have it be this way. Um, I try not to give him too much, you know, but I do, I give him a ballpark and the Cintiq is great for that. Okay. Um, and also I'm still doing commercial work, you know, like I had, um, I had a gig with popular science in February of last year, oh. which, you know, and when you're working with commercial clients like that, more advertising stuff or magazine stuff, mm-hmm. the amount of revisions that are required are just astronomical. Yeah. Um, so it's just easier to do it on a digital platform rather than try and do everything traditionally that in that way. Um, I also do a, I, a lot of times when I do covers, mm-hmm. I will pencil digitally um, in Manga Studio or Clip Studio, they call it now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, just because it, you know, working on like an 11 by 17 surface, it's sometimes it's hard when working on pencils that way to make sure that everything's kind of correct. Mm. Um, so, and then I'll print out like my digital pencils on a blue line board mm. and uh, ink over those. But as far as like interiors go, it's still all pencil all the time. Nice. All, all pencil, all ink all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that like a shirt that you go around at cons with all pencil, all ink all the time? Oh, that's a good idea. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a really, really long hashtag that people start using, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I also noticed on your, uh, it seems to be your, your more frequent drawing board. I know there's two here, but uh, you kind of have a lot of sort of doodads hanging around off your drafting table. Um, I see an iPad and maybe some other stuff, but what all do you sort of have attached to your table that uh, that helps with your work? Oh, gosh. Let's see. I've got like a magnetic strip. Uh, on top of the table. Okay. And that's for, um, let's say, I've, if I do a previous page, um, a lot of times I'll put that previous page up on my table so I kind of have to look at whether there be something that I need reference for to draw for the next page. Mm-hmm. Or if it's like, I'm always trying to push myself. So uh, I put that put the page that I feel good about on the drawing table above me so I can kind of be like, all right, that's, that's the goal. Yeah, to get there, um, even try and do better a little bit, um, and then yeah, the iPads there just for reference, um, and I have a little table section, uh, a little like flat table section on the right side of my table, which has just ink and a lot of whiteout mm. um, picture of my wife, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's mostly it, oh, there's a lot of toys there too, like a lot of figures of Optimus Prime. Nice. And it's not super, <laughs> not super technical. I have like. I have a handful of tools that I automatically go to that are always at my desk that mm-hmm. um, I think are what you would find at like a lot of comic book artist desks. But yeah. um, like I always have a Winsor Newton series seven brush when I need it. Okay. Um, I always have a Pentel pocket brush pen, mm-hmm. always a regular Pentel uh, brush pen, not mm-hmm. the small one, but the big one. Yeah. And uh, a lot of microns, a lot of 08 microns. <laughs> so I, I know a lot of comic book, like aspiring comic book artists and even some professional comic book artists uh, listen to the show. And a lot of people are like super process and equipment junkies. So I think what you just yeah. gave them was like the equivalent of like some ASMR, uh, you know, just that <laughs> really just, you know, stimulating audio. Uh, <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, I, I'm curious. So, uh, you know. As we're talking on Skype, your profile picture is Optimus Prime. Uh, I, you know, you have your Optimus Prime next to your desk. Uh, I've I've heard you yeah. even mention Transformers before. Is Optimus like your your top Transformer, or do you kind of have like a secret favorite? 
Optimus Prime is definitely top Transformer. He might be my like top like you know character pre two uh, thousands like really? period. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm a big big Optimus Prime fan. <laughs> I'm sure it's all embroiled in my childhood. Yeah, and seeing him die very early on. Um, <laughs> but did that affect you really so... hard seeing Optimus Prime die? Yeah, dude, I cried. I won't lie. <laughs> I was pretty young. Hell yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it, yeah, I was, it came out a year before I was born, mm-hmm. the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't see it till the early 90s. Okay. And that was on VHS. And my mom would, if I was having a really bad day or if she wanted me to make, if, you know, if I was like really sick, she'd drive me to Blockbuster and we'd rent it on VHS. Oh, And nice. I'd watch it over and over and over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> it's, um, that's funny. I I uh I watched the. Do you remember the Transformers Armada series that was you know a lot more recent? I think that was like the early two thousands. Yep, um, I remember that. I didn't watch it, but I remember the designs. That was so. That was a series. Like I I that was the series that I kind of like got to know the Transformers on. Um, okay. And then went back and watched the VHS of the original Transformers movie after that, and so it was such a weird like. I'm sure kind of the same as a lot of people who first watched the v, you know the the Transformers movie and then went to that series. It's like you're seeing all these characters, but they're so different. Uh, you know, it's like there's Hot Rod is in the old movie, and I was used to a character named Hot Shot in the Armada series. I was like, wait, what is going on? And there's humans in this. What? Um, yep. It was it was a lot oh, to yeah. get used to, but uh, that's funny. And they say they say shit in the yeah <laughs> they say shit in the movie yeah yeah that was... at first I thought it was at first I thought it was Bumblebee. It was actually Spike. Was it but really? I, when I was little, I was like, "Oh, Bumblebee swore." It's <laughs> <laughs> a big deal at the time. Are you a uh, are you a fan of the Michael Bay movies? Or are those kind of off limits for you? Uh, for me, that's probably the epitome of Satan, right there. Or, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I cannot. I, ever since I saw the first design of Optimus Prime with a mouth, I was like, "No, nope, I'm out." Yeah, that's a tough one. And that was too. That, I mean, I I would not consider myself to be a you know super knowledgeable about movies and film but Mm -hmm. i didn't know anything about michael bay when they announced the first transformers movie so michael bay i didn't care who he was yeah but um i saw that optimus prime design i was like are you kidding me (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it just got the whole thing was it was just terrible it's terrible such a travesty that's funny did you ever end up seeing any of them or have you completely stayed away uh, i saw the first i saw the first one i think Mm -hmm. i maybe watched the second one like while I was half asleep on the couch once and the TV was on and I just did not have the energy to to get all the way through. Look, yeah, look at something else. <laughs> I remember there was one that happens in my my town, Chicago. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was the third one or the fourth one. And there's these, this cool scene where they have these like this, the uh, robot human fighters are they have these like little squirrel suits. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're parachuting. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, so some of the designs in that series and, and kind of the visuals, like, occasionally they do something really cool, uh, but it's always surrounded by such a long and arduous movie with, you know, just way too much special effects and whatever. But uh, it's it's good that you didn't have to make it all the way to the Marky Mark years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, it's it's a little rough. I, I I haven't I haven't seen the most recent one, but the the first Marky Mark one uh, was finally where I drew the line. I had been just kind of like passively watching them throughout the franchise, and then Marky Mark came along, and I was like, okay, it's enough. I'm done. I've had it. I've had it up to here. You know, just really, really, and I'm sure Michael Bay cares as well. You know. Yep. Um. 
he cares he cares about my my eight dollars missing from that box office return uh (laughs) (laughs) so you also have kind of like what seems like an organized mess here around your desk in terms of just like books and things like that um do you often turn to like other comics and stuff when you're just searching for kind of a source of inspiration or or whatever yes all the time what kind of stuff is around Um, your desk Man, let's see. The thing that's probably closest to me is the uh, New Gods Artist Edition. Ooh. Um, The Kirby one? The Kirby one, yep. It's really good. Um, It's so much fun to look at. It's a great story. Yeah. Um, Everything about it is just pretty awesome, Mm -hmm. pretty amazing. And um, I don't know. uh, It just makes me want to draw, which anything that... I see that makes me want to draw. I really gravitate towards and hang on to as best I can. Yeah. I try to have a physical copy of that around at least. So when I am feeling kind of down and out about drawing or I'm just not feeling it, mm-hmm. a lot of times looking at that stuff can really get me back in the, um, back in the swing. Yeah. Um, so that's what a lot of those things are that you see next to my desk. I know there's like a shelf with a lot of reference books and stuff, which is pretty technical, but mm-hmm. With something like Jack Kirby, you know, you kind of have his stuff around to remind you that the technical stuff isn't always the most important. <laughs> and uh, it's good true. to have energy there and just letting your arm flow free and kind of not, not taking yourself so seriously. Yeah. At least that's that's the goal. It doesn't always work. <laughs> Sometimes nothing helps. But a lot of times it's uh, it's it's really awesome yeah that's that's good to note when did you when did you start drawing like have you always been drawing or or was there sort of a time that it started happening for you yeah man i think i started drawing around first grade Mm. that's the earliest memory i think i can think of Mm -hmm. um you know i was i never the only reason that i was really that i really started drawing is because like i was just doodling one day Mm mm-hmm and it was, of course, Power Rangers, because that's what I watched when I was really little. Of course. And uh, all the kids around me were like, dang, that's a pretty good Power Ranger. Can <laughs> I have that? And, of course, I was not a super popular child. Yeah, yeah. Um, so drawing was really the only way that I could really act, like, to kind of, like, make friends socially. So <laughs> yeah. I just draw all these uh, kids in my first grade class Power Rangers, and that's how I got started socially and in drawing. <laughs> that's awesome. So, it's like a and, social and it was, system. From there on, it was just... You know, I just kept going, doing it and doing it and doing it. And then my parents saw how much I was enjoying it. And they, you know, signed me up for a drawing class. And oh. of course, they want me to draw still life. And here I am drawing muscle men yeah, with yeah. machine guns. Um, <laughs> I know that feeling. Yeah. Um, that's so funny. that's kind of where I got my start. And a lot of that, uh, you know, it's all kind of messy in my mind. It's kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. But um I remember Calvin and Hobbes was a huge part of that. Oh yeah. Um, like, and this is like before I had any money, so we would go to the library, uh-huh. and uh, they would have those collections of comics, but they wouldn't have like actual graphic novels. It would just be the collections of like the the comics that you see in a newspaper. Okay. Um, so I read Garfield a ton. Nice. Yeah, Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, Foxtrot was a big one for me. <laughs> um. And I, uh, that was like my first kind of experience with comics and uh-huh. that, you know, I didn't really draw comics when I was little, but I drew a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of like fan art type stuff as well. I'm assuming like Power Rangers and then whatever other stuff you started watching. It was mostly, it was a lot of Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, let's see, I never drew Calvin and Hobbes cause 
I don't know for whatever reason. It's just it was. I didn't really draw a ton of comic strip characters. I, it was mostly the act of like reading comics. I mean, they're drawing this. This is really cool. Yeah. Um, these creators, but then it was mostly like trying to figure out how to draw Optimus Prime well. <laughs> <laughs> it, all, it all comes back to Optimus Prime, I suppose. There you go. That's funny. Would you would you ever or have you ever like uh, had discussions about maybe illustrating a Transformers one shot or something like that? I have not. Interesting. You know, um, I don't know who owns it now. Is it IDW? I think it's still IDW, yeah. Um, I do remember when I was in high school and the first Transformers series comic series came out in a really mm. long time, but it was, wasn't by IDW. It was somebody, it was some other publisher that I don't know where they are now. Yeah. Um, but I ate those up. It was, that was super <laughs> exciting, but Man. nobody's approached me and, um, yeah, I, I, I'd almost sooner do a fan comic of, you know, Transformers and, um, I mean, but you know awesome. it's almost like i'm too close to it you know it's like i've tried to like draw mm. optimus prime a few times and yeah i did one commission which i really enjoyed i think it came out quite well but like something about him it's like unless he's unless somebody else is doing him i i feel like i can't like i can't draw a picture of optimus prime and be happy with it still strangely enough that's funny i uh i i think that i think everyone might have that or if if not it might at least just be common because i've actually always had that with batman i always try to either write mm. or draw like just to sort of practice, like, you know, spec stuff or whatever and, and just, like, write a story or draw a character. And I've never been able to uh, to do anything with Batman. I don't know why. It's weird. Batman is a challenge. It took me a long time. Yeah? And I st- he still throws me for loop. I think it's those those bat ears. They're just kind of weird. Yeah, the ears are weird. And then, like, the eyes. Like, for me, I always have a hard time deciding, do I want to do, like, the Bruce Tim sort of stylized eyes or, like, try and make them more real and it never looks right? I don't know. Yep. Yep. Is that do, does basically everyone ask for a commission of Batman? Like anytime you get commission requests, is it like ninety percent Batman? I do get a fair amount of Batman, but it's not. Yeah, I think I have done enough commissions now where it's kind of. I think my strengths are kind of show, mm. and they don't necessarily lie in superhero stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's always a nice challenge to get a superhero but sometimes i do run out of ways to draw batman in a cool <laughs> way the same thing is happening with darth vader oh um, man yeah ever since i did that commission of darth vader the first commission of darth vader like tearing up those rebel mm-hmm. troopers which was amazing uh, by the way <laughs> thank you mm-hmm. um you know that one became very popular very fast <laughs> yes, i started running out of ways and then now i have another one I have another commission of the same thing, which is like 11 by 17, which I still have to do. Uh-huh. And I think I'm going to tell Felix after this one, I think I'm retiring from Darth Vader. I'll <laughs> happily do Darth Vader, just not Darth Vader versus, you know, yeah, Rebel Troopers, because I just am running out of ways to draw the same thing. <laughs> that makes sense. That's uh, tough. And, you you know, you have uh, you've done a lot of Star Wars stuff in the past. I actually I wanted to ask you about um, about Green Leader, the, the sort of. Mm fan you know web comic that you did uh where did where did that idea come from and what made you want to you know just do this sort of one-off comic um well let's see i'm trying to get myself back in the mindset in <laughs> early 2015 you know what was happening is i had just finished or i was in the middle of or at the tail end of working on a book with dark horse called alabaster mm, yeah yeah um uh, which was a pretty miserable experience oh <laughs> um yeah, it just wasn't. I mean, I didn't really have any contact with the writer. Oh man, the editor was the middleman. 
And um, maybe this wasn't the maybe this wasn't the uh, intention, mm-hmm. per, like by the writer, but I felt fairly underappreciated. Yeah, I'm kind sure. of just like a vessel to finish uh, their story, mm-hmm. and not necessarily as like a creative partner. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, whatever. It all all it, but it added up to me kind of getting. It added up to me being quite burnt out. Uh, with drawing sequential comics and interiors and yeah, I'm sure. I was trying to figure out like not even figure out I was just like man I'm feeling really burnt out but I still want to draw mm-hmm. what can I do to kind of like get the like prove to myself that drawing comics can be fun mm-hmm. and um, I'd always loved uh, that scene in Return of the Jedi it's probably my favorite scene in all of the Star Wars lore ever wow um, so I thought well what if I just uh paid homage to it and just had some fun and i remember some of my comics peers were very much like you shouldn't do that disney's gonna come after you if you're gonna make something just make it make your own thing and you know do it through image and i respected i respect their opinions and i was like yeah maybe i don't know Mm -hmm. but at the same time i was also like well it's only like 12 pages you know it's only gonna be it's not that much of my time. <laughs> and I'm sandwiching it in between finishing Alabaster and getting ready for C2E2 mm. at the time. This is C2E2 2015, right before. Okay. And it was in between Emerald City 2015 and uh, uh, and C2E2 2015. So I had about I had a little less than a month to finish it in between working on another comic full time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now it's coming back. It's coming back to me now. <laughs> um, and I decided that I was going to do it at Emerald City. That mm-hmm. year, after sitting next to James Heron, who was drawing like a madman next to me, <laughs> and I was just watching him draw, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I really need to step my game up. <laughs> um, that's amazing. It was, it's also, it's good. It's really, that's another thing that kind of helped get me back into the, the that positive energy of drawing comics was seeing other people who are just so good at it, mm-hmm. uh, do so well at mm-hmm. it, and just watching them create and um, just being in just being in that creative environment, like that was one of the first shows where all the Felix comic art guys were just sitting in a row, all next to each other, and we were just oh, kind yeah. of feeding off each other's energy. It was really awesome. And that, I mean, and that's and, that's a uh, damn good group yeah. too to like be feeding off the energy from. I mean, you guys, you guys are seriously some heavy hitters over there. Seriously, um, I still feel like I'm kind of in the company of champions. Like I don't really belong. <laughs> um, it's, but I'll I'll take it, you know. I'll feed off that energy all day, and it's okay. That's, um, that's I really just called imposter it. syndrome. And I went it's back right. home, and I just was like, "All right, I've I'm I'm jazzed. I'm gonna. I think I I think I can really crush a Star Wars story. Let's just do it for fun." Yeah. And the, the idea was that it would just be a little one-off thing that I could just say, hey, "I did this, and it was really fun." And mm. I have a little thing to put on my shelf that I can be proud of. And yeah. It just kind of took off, and it was. It was, very, it, was, it was awesome. That's awesome. I'm man. still very proud of it. Yeah, I mean, it should be. It's it's killer. And and for anyone who's listening who's a Star Wars fan or even just, you know, likes reading good comics, they should go uh, check it out. I, is there like a specific website or just Google Daniel Warren Johnson, Green Leader? I think if you just Google Daniel Warren Johnson, uh, Green Leader, you'll find it. Cool. It's it's pretty great. Um, So I, and I'm curious, you know, kind of talking about this, getting inspired to do comics and stuff like that. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like comics was originally sort of your goal as a career um i know you were you were teaching art in in a middle school uh when you kind of came to the decision to pursue comics what was what was sort of going on and and what brought you to that decision um to move from like teaching to do comics yeah yeah i just teaching was really burning me out Mm. um 
I was teaching in Chicago. I was teaching art, mm-hmm. and uh, it just was a it just was a bad situation. You know, I, I I think partly because the way Chicago public schools is set up was mm-hmm. kind of is I don't think is a very healthy situation to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also kind of like weird like drama between teachers and staff and. Yeah. Yeah, it's just well, I, and I realize wherever you go in the world, there's going to be that drama. I, mm-hmm. I understand that, but um, having it like be a part of like my art experience and like working with the kids and um, it just was, it just made for a really unhealthy mix. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, gosh, it's like far, it's pretty far back in the past now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll start asking you about more current stuff in just a minute. No worries. I'll, I'll, no, I'll stop fine. making you itch the memory. It's fine. I think, you know, <laughs> you know, it was getting to the point where I was like not sleeping mm-hmm. and um, I was getting kind of anxious before I'd go to school in the mornings. Mm. And my wife was finally like, you know what? This is ridiculous. You can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. You should try the art thing. And if the art thing doesn't pan out, then you'd figure something else out. But you should at least give it a try once. Um, while you can like mm-hmm. before like we have a kid or you know we should just do it yeah and so by my wife's uh you know my wife's kind of pushing me because <laughs> i it, it's i i i didn't really i didn't necessarily believe that i could do it myself like on my own mm-hmm. i never really tried that hard to do it on my own mm-hmm. um i had still drawn like casually in my sketchbook and you know every once in a while i'd, I'd do something here or there i did some digital art but um I never really, really pushed myself until somebody that I loved that shared a bank account with me told me that I <laughs> she felt like I could do it. There you go. Um, yeah, she's sitting next to me right now, smiling. <laughs> that's, um, that's awesome. But uh, yeah, so that was the that was the main kind of push. And then in the summer of 2012, mm-hmm. I quit my job at the school and I just um, really attacked my portfolio. Tried to like have just a breadth of things that would kind of get me work Mm -hmm. and then uh, part of that was doing space mullet which was the webcomic that i started back then yeah yeah um and i wasn't getting paid for that at all i was just doing it to try and prove like and at this point i was just kind of throwing you know rock i was throwing things into the dark seeing if i could hit anything because at that point i would have happily worked at Starbucks or McDonald's to not work at the school anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to not be a teacher, <laughs> I was literally I was just happy just not to be there. Yeah. So any any kind of like is graphic design profitable? I'll just be a graphic designer. That's what I'll do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one of those things was you know I've always kind of wanted to do my own sci-fi comic. Why don't I just try and do a comic? You never know. Maybe if I can do it good enough for a little while, yeah. Maybe I could get some comic work. And it was literally. Whatever I anything that would come down to pipe, I'd say yes to graphic design, illustration. Um, I did like caricatures at a bar once uh, during Halloween season in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Anything, anything <laughs> and everything. And it wasn't until Space Mole started getting a little more steam, and I started getting some attention from different, you know, uh, comic book creative people on social media that um, I was like, I think, you know, comics. You know, infamously does not pay great, but there's yeah. more work of it than a lot of illustration work you may find. Yeah. Because um, I'd have repeat clients, but they wouldn't come back to have more illustration work done. And then 
like maybe one every once every year, mm-hmm. every year and a half, just simply because there's not that much illustration work that would need to get done. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I just kind of, I didn't fall into comics, but I could see that there was steadier work in comics, at least than what, than what I was going for. So that's kind of where I steered myself into or did my best to. Mm. And one thing led to another, and then, yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> one that's kind of where, another, that's and, where it began. You have an image series, and and uh, everything's everything's uh, floating or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what a ter- <laughs> what a good term is <laughs> like for for yeah, things it, being I mean, successful. Yeah, it was a winding road. It's it's interesting to look mm. back on my career so far, which is about four years old, three and a half, four years old. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm very thankful to be doing what I'm doing now. I, I know it's a it's a special thing to be able to write and draw your own stuff, and I don't take it lightly. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I'm, ha- I'm happy to be doing it. And so, uh, after Space Mullet, you know, kind of starts getting attention and taking off. What? Uh, where was the sort of connector from? You know, uh, illustrating Space Mullet to when you first get approached uh, for something like the Ghost Fleet, or even just sort of your first commercial comics job. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I'm sure if you. You've looked at the early pages of Space Mullet. They are pretty humbling. I mean, um, I I was actually just looking at them as as we were talking, and I like I've I've seen them before and stuff. But honestly, these first pages are still pretty damn amazing for like the first <laughs> pages that anyone's done. I don't know. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you to say. <laughs> I think initially starting out, I was just trying to put out the work consistently and just actively try and be better Mm -hmm. and whenever i would have work that would pay that would always take precedent over space mullet so i wouldn't really work on space mullet until all the paid work was finished and i was sitting in my apartment while my wife was at work and i wasn't making any money so i'm like well i need to do something so i'll actively work on space mullet it's a good mentality until i get something else down the pipe yeah and um then uh in uh, gosh middle of 2013 april uh, C2E2 2013, I met an editor at Dark Horse who stopped by my table because he liked the Space Mullet pages that I had on display, and we talked a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's asked, you know, do you have any interest in um, publishing this at, you know, at a publishing place? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'd love that. Mm-hmm. Got to talking, put a little seed there, you know, went back and forth a little bit. And then I, you know, they didn't really offer to publish Space Mullet, but in December or, or late November of 2013, the same editor that I met asked if I wanted to do an EVE Online comic, which was just 16 pages at the time, but the due date was like the 31st of December. Oh, wow. Um, and so I uh, I, th- I felt like, okay, I think this is my chance. So I, I did it as best I could. Mm-hmm. Drawing EVE ships is really difficult, but <laughs> – and it was also like my first real comics gig, and it was – I did my best. My foreheads were really big, and uh, some of the pages were rushed. But <laughs> I got it done by the deadline, and I think I was the only artist who got it in on time. Oh, wow. Um, just because I was thinking, well, if I can at least make it look passable and get it in on time, I think maybe I could get more work there. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, you know, so then a few more months went by after that, and I didn't really have any bites until I reached out. After I read Buzzkill by Donny Cates, I just emailed him because I liked the story so much. Yeah. Um, and Jeff Shaw drew that. That was a dark mm-hmm. horse. I was so impressed. Uh-oh. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. No worries. Is that Amazon? Oh, you want me to get it? Are you sure? 
Sorry, we have a new baby, and so I'm making sure that it'd be helpful to my wife in oh, any way. Yeah, no, you're, you're fine. Can we I, edit that out? Did yeah. I, I hope I didn't ruin anything. No, you're 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 totally fine, man. Don't don't worry at all. Baby is obviously the also, priority. Also, my, my baby may start crying randomly at any point, so there's also... <laughs> that is totally okay, man. The the baby is much more important than a damn podcast. Oh, no, it's great. I, um... <laughs> I, uh... Um... I just, I just want you to know that you know you, there may be a squeal every once in a while. You're, you're good. Um, That's fine. I'm, I'm fine with it. But so anyway, I emailed uh, Donnie Cates uh-huh. just to say I thought this was absolutely awesome. Yeah, and that was a great story. Uh, I, I loved Buzzkill. Yeah, it was really, really great. And I think I emailed him after issue one or two. I don't remember. Early but, adopter. Um, one of those hipsters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, he emailed me back. He said thanks so much. And I think he had looked at my stuff mm. um, and he was like, I really like your stuff. Have you ever thought about working together with a writer on something? And I was like, Oh yeah, mm. I'd love to do that. We talked, we went back and forth. We, we actually, he actually called me. We talked about a few pitches and we just kind of riffed back and forth a little bit about um, comics and what got us excited and story. And um, he had a really fun idea that I still kind of want to do with him that maybe will happen someday. But oh. um, there's a little tease. <laughs> it is a little tease. I don't know if it'll happen, but uh, it you know, if you ever have him on the podcast, ask him about the the project that he talked about with Daniel Warren Johnson the I'm, first time they talked on the phone. I'm writing it down right now. I I need to figure out like his email address or something and and track him down. But I'm writing it down right now. Um, and after after that, we didn't talk for a little bit. Uh, it was just kind of a get to know you call. Mm. And then randomly, you know, a few months later, a month later, he he called me and he said, hey. Um, I have this book greenlit at dark horse. Uh, I had an artist, but he dropped out and, uh, I really want to do this book. And I was wondering if maybe you'd want to draw it. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. Um, and it's from, that's where that was, that project was the ghost fleet. Yeah. Yeah. So Donnie was a huge part of me kind of making inroads and Donnie, I think, I think a few things, I think Donnie selling me to the editors at dark horse helped to, for them to sign off on me doing a supposedly ongoing series. And then, I would hope that, you know, my work on EVE Online also kind of helped in that, too. Yeah. And uh, that's how I got my first, you know, kind of book with Donnie, um, The Ghost Fleet. Yeah, and yeah. I guess my second, you know, my second thing. Um, and so... Wh- and it was a blast. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it sure came out really well. And, and what's what's funny is, like, it's, it's two creators, you and Donnie, who were pretty young in their careers... Uh, and that book is so like it feels at least so fully formed um, that it's I don't know it's it's so, it's so impressive for two uh, voices so early in their career to put out something that's that's so well put together. Um, Thank you very much. Of course, man. Uh, I think I think it, I think the 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 strongest thing about that book is the rabbit that Donnie pulls out of his hat after we found it it got canceled. Because <laughs> when we found it, it got canceled. It got canceled from twelve issues to eight issues, and we had just Oof. finished issue six. Oh damn! And Donnie, after having written, you know, the whole series, you know, all all ready, all done, ready for me to be to draw them. Yeah. He had to go back and figure out how to and this six was issue six was already finished you know mm-hmm. so he basically had to figure like figure out a way to get everything to wrap up and he did it I, wow it's pretty amazing i read it now and i'm like damn this really works yeah i don't know how he did it it's pretty amazing <laughs> that's interesting I, I never would have known that uh just from reading the comic that's that's really interesting 
Uh, oh yeah, well, I mean, you could definitely tell it gets a little rushed uh, when it it, sure. go, it goes up to 150 miles an hour when you <laughs> get to the end of it, like issue six going into seven and eight. But I think it's just so fun. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a blast. Um, I was really glad to see that uh, that you guys uh, were able to get it, you know, sort of re recollected and reprinted. Um, yeah, and we got to do the nice um, newsprint yeah. on it, which I think fits perfectly. So good. Um, what, what did you learn on that book? I mean, creatively, you know, obviously with your first ongoing series, is there like sort of a big lesson that you took away from that? That's, that's helped you going forward. I think probably the biggest one was, I think I was halfway through issue one Mm -hmm. and I was really killing myself on the interiors. Like just trying to be, it's gotta be the best it can be. I have to keep pushing myself. And I feel like that was a super healthy mentality, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I also started to realize like if i do if i if i'm putting myself out at like 120 percent every page Mm. man it sounds this sounds bad but i I don't know i'll just say it it. if i if i if i keep going this way all i like i'm gonna burn myself out basically i i can't kill myself over Mm -hmm. every page i need to figure out a stylistic way in my art so that i can have a life i can have relationships and friends and be healthy about my comic making mm-hmm. you know uh job yeah it should be able to make uh, you happy make me happy and just you know there's always days where it's tough just like i was saying before with you know keeping stuff around me that gets me excited to draw but of course um you know for the most part i still really have a lot of fun and it's because i think i've really done my best to cater my style mm-hmm. to you know you can you know you know my style it's i don't draw every button on a coat and of course. I, I don't you know, I would say my stuff is detailed, but it has this messy quality that um, saves me a lot of time, mm-hmm. honestly. Well, no, I think and the... I want it. I want it to look good, but I also care about my life. Yeah. Well, I think the dual benefit of that, honestly, is that it gives it a lot of life. I mean, I, I think honestly, if you were killing yourself over every single page and like stressing those details so much more and and all that stuff, I feel like it would take a lot of the energy out of your drawings. And I think that that's one of one of the biggest benefits of your style is that it has so much life to it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but I say if though, you know, there's all these technical stuff and learning how to draw this or that, which, which, you know, just is kind of in every comics project. But I think the biggest one away that I took away from ghost fleet, the ghost fleet was learning how to really learning how to make my style fit kind of the, the, my, my, my the way that i draw comic going going forward you know yeah. stylistically i've changed a, a bit mm-hmm. um but just the kind of the way I, I approach the page and the way i finish a page i really learned how to do on ghost the ghost suite that's that's awesome and i mean it definitely you know it it seems to have uh panned out pretty well for you um <laughs> and it's 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 funny how much like kind of learning by doing uh you know people can do with with any profession um that's true there's only so much you can learn in a book i guess Uh, yeah and that's it's actually it's funny that you mentioned that because mm -hmm. you know in every one thing one reason i really know that i'm still enjoying and loving comics is i still have a deep desire to be become better Mm -hmm. um i have like an active drive in me to to keep pushing myself whereas when i was teaching i was surviving but I did not desire to become a better teacher, and I think that was a really good sign that it just wasn't really for me. Yeah. Um, but just this, just the uh, the drive to do better, you know, is 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 still present, and so I'm I'm very thankful for that. 
I think, and I think that's really insightful. Like for for anything, honestly, you know, for anybody, like if if you have a drive to do better at what it is you're doing, then you're probably in the right profession. And if you don't, maybe it's you know kind of time to look around and and do some searching. Yeah, man. Um. All right, so I, I I can't sort of I can't hold off the extremity talk any longer. Uh, I sure. <laughs> wanted to talk about it, but but at the same time, I think it's you know important, especially for people who haven't read it, to kind of get to know you first, your past, and all these you know sort of fun things learning about you. Um, but extremity is so damn good that that we would be remiss not to talk about it quite a lot. Uh, for thank those, you very much. Of course, uh, for those who haven't read Extremity, what what's sort of the elevator pitch, or what what can you tell them about the the series? Well. I would say Extremity is first and foremost about a person who has seemingly lost their identity and their sense of self and strives to replace that loss of identity with uh, with a path of uh, violence and revenge. Mm. And what that will do to a person when you replace something so positive, mm-hmm. something so negative, and the journey that that takes you on. So. I guess you know the story is a, is takes place in this world that it remains nameless for a reason. It could be our world, or it could be a, diff, a few a sci-fi world. Okay. Um, that uh, there are different warring clans and factions mm-hmm. in this world, and uh, the main our main characters uh, are from the clan, uh, the Roto clan. Mm-hmm. Thea and her brother Rollo and her and her father Jerome um, have been attacked by their their enemies, the Paznina and Thea before this war ever started was known as this in the entire world as this great artist. She was, she would draw all the time mm-hmm. and she was right-handed. She'd draw with her right hand. And when, and when this war started, her enemies cut off her drawing hand. Um, mm-hmm. And Thea, who was so, you know, consumed with like who she was as an artist uh, that was her identity you know she loses this thing she also loses her mother in the war she basically follows her father down this path of revenge um trying to replace what she lost with something dark mm. and uh it just kind of follows thea and her journey on their path to revenge and what that what that leads to and um it's kind of sci-fi-ish um you know there there's these like floating worlds in this story mm-hmm. where uh, there's kind of a, ca- a hierarchy of uh, the the uh, the worlds that are the floating worlds that are closer or uh, that are higher are more well off, but they're farther from the Earth that was below, which is all this basically bombed out nuclear wasteland called the Ancient Dark. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of different worlds that are kind of closer to the Ancient Dark, and then you have all these different. I'm not doing a very good job because I haven't had to do this in a while. No, uh, I, I love it honestly. Um, you're, I think you're, you're doing great. Yeah, but there's these different floating worlds, and they're all at different levels, right? And mm-hmm. so the farther away uh, you are from the ancient dark, kind of the more, uh, the more, gosh, the more healthy the land, mm-hmm. the more, the more, uh, there's more resources. Uh, but the uh, people uh, who kind of live on the top, they are so far away from this futuristic world that was basically bombed out centuries and centuries ago. Mm-hmm. They basically reformed their own societies. They almost look more uh, medieval uh, in styling, visual styling, than the uh, clans that live closer to the ancient dark, which are basically have to, had to scavenge mm. from this old world since as long as they can remember. So it's almost like kind of like a Game of Thrones vibe mm-hmm. on uh, on the very top and. <laughs> Like versus like Mad Max Five on the very bottom. 
That's a that's a good way of putting it. I like it. Yeah, I guess so. I, I haven't had to do that in a while. It's no, good man. to keep me on my toes. <laughs> I love it. And and again, like for anyone listening who hasn't checked out Extremity, seriously, just go go and read it. Even just just if you're going to go and read the the first three preview pages, I'm sure you'll get sucked in. Um, now, wh- where did the story sort of come from for you? Like, what what inspired it? And and uh, I guess when in, in sort of your creative timeline did you start thinking about this? <laughs> Yeah, I knew that um, as I was working on Space Mold, I knew that I wanted to do something that was maybe a little more serious, so could take itself a little more seriously. Mm. And I was thinking about it and thinking about it, and I knew that I really wanted to kind of do a story that maybe was not so episodic, but it was kind of a one-and-done kind of thing. Mm-hmm. wouldn't go on for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and Extremity just was that thing, and it wasn't until uh, I learned about the story of, of uh, Eva Kor, who was, the, who was a Jewish woman who, when she was a young girl, was taken into a concentration camp by the Nazis mm. um, in Europe. And, uh, you know, late, later and late, much later in life, in her 60s or 70s, oh, I should know this, <laughs> uh, but, you know, her later years, she, uh, she started uh, – finding these people that had imprisoned her and basically like done terrible experiments on her and her, mm. her, um, her twin, uh, sister. Mm-hmm. And she was like publicly for forgiving them, which was pretty amazing in itself. But the part of the story that really, uh, interested me was not so much the forgiving, even though that's pretty amazing, mm-hmm. but, uh, the way the uh, Jewish community basically ostracized her for forgiving, for publicly, publicly forgiving these, these, um, these German, you know, doctors and soldiers, mm-hmm. um, they claimed that she didn't have the authority to do it. And so I thought it would be an interesting story to see what would happen if you had a, a character that's been wronged, their sense of identity put into question. They're following the way that their family has always done things, which is the way of revenge and eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. But then what happens to that family when there's one person who maybe questions it? and the split that may happen or may not. Mm. And that was kind of the uh, kind of like emotional slash, you know, thought experiment that I was having with Extremity that kind of gave it enough emotional drive for me to continue to work on and start like, you know, doing character sketches and things like that. And honestly, everything was not really working because, um, because it was just like another revenge story that didn't really have any emotional, like uh stakes to it at least not for me mm-hmm. um and it was just coming off as really preachy and dumb and i uh it wasn't until that i inserted thea being an artist and losing her hand that i that i feel like it became something special yeah um because it's one of my greatest fears you know so I, I had to take my own fears and kind of um insecurities and put them into the story before it to really work yeah. and then all the sci-fi and like cool costumes and like monsters and speeder bikes, you know, it mm-hmm. all holds up cause it's like got this, uh, this energy and soul from my, from my, you know, experiences behind it. Yeah. It just, it all kind of made it more of a, uh, I guess an honest story. Yes. That's interesting. Do you, do you have like a, a, a sort of definite length that you want this to, to go or kind of an end in mind? Or is this something that you want to keep going as long as it can go? <sighs> I for for extremity. Yeah, yeah, for extremity. Well, when I was, you know, trying to figure out just how long it would go and I was thinking about it, I knew that I didn't want it to go on forever and mm-hmm. I knew the characters were going to say what they were going to say mm-hmm. and then they'd be done. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so Extremity is just going to be 12 issues. In fact, the next what? issue, which comes out in March, is going to be the last issue. Oh my god, <laughs> I can't believe I didn't know that. Damn! <laughs> <laughs> like you, you just uh, you shook up my world. I'm I'm gonna have some like a morning session tonight or something. I have to reread everything. Um, it's it's funny that you know you bring it up because there's been a lot of people that have, um, you know, questions that the series ending like on Twitter and social media and email and reaching out, and be like, why is it ending? What happened? And a lot of people assume that if a series is ending at issue 12, the numbers aren't good enough for it to, for it to sustain itself. And that's definitely not the case. You know, yeah. it's not definitely not the best selling book on the market, but it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's it could go long. on for a little bit longer. But I, <laughs> yeah. I just chose, I knew that the story would have a natural ending somewhere. You know, I didn't know exactly when, but it turned out to be 12 as I was working on it. And I'm really happy with how it ends and I'm ending it on my own terms. Yeah. Um, which I'm very happy about. Oh, that's I mean, and that's that's the best way to uh, to end it. And by the it way, is. I I didn't even realize like you you said you're a new dad. Like you are literally like four days a new dad. Congrats on the baby. Thanks. Um, Fiona is uh, eight and nine days old. Wow. Nine day, nine days old now. Yeah. That's kind of it's, it's pretty kind amazing. Of, it's kind of a weird like sort of poetic thing of right as you're ending extremity which is like your you know your first sort of like big commercial you know writing and drawing project right as you're ending that you would uh have a baby i don't know there's something poetic in that <laughs> um, i'm sure there is all i can think about is like sleep <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense so she's an awesome baby though she's she's been she's been really cool so far yeah that I, that's great I'm assuming then since issue 12, which is coming out, you know, next month, uh, is the last issue. I'm assuming you're, you're either done or getting close to done with, with all of your work on extremity. You know, I drew the last page, uh, in, uh, early October. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. right. Cause Skybound works at, like far in advance, huh? Yeah. Way far in advance. So what are you working on? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I am doing. I am writing and drawing another book with Skybound. Oh, what that book is, I'm not allowed to say yet. <sighs> um, but it will be announced later this year. Interesting. Has the uh, yeah. has the Skybound Amazon deal uh, uh, sort of reached your world or purview uh, at all? You know, I asked my editor about that. <laughs> I was in New York City last year in around uh-huh. October, and he said there's some movement, but not a ton. But also, if there was, I wouldn't necessarily tell you because <laughs> uh, so much stuff is in flux all the time. I'm sure that you know they might be close to signing something and they, then it just falls apart. So yeah. he says, unless there's something really, really, really solid, you know, I would tell you. But there's you know, so I don't think there's a ton. I don't. Who knows? I honestly have no <laughs> idea, and I kind of like it that way. Yeah. If something big happens that's like actually going to happen, mm-hmm. I want to know about it. Otherwise, it's kind of too much to you know, get my hopes up and it's healthier this way. I can just focus on the comic and of course, um, making it the best I can be. And now focusing on the next comic that I'm writing and drawing, which also takes a lot of, you know, time, energy, emotional investment. And oh, absolutely the, the, the fewer, uh, threads that I can like escape down and, and, um, and be distracted by the better. Yeah. Oh, of course. Uh, so I'm wondering about you know with with extremity was there a a character or you know somebody in in the book that you found sort of the hardest to to figure out? 
Yes, I think that'd probably be Jerome. Mm. How come? Um, simply because, uh, you know, and I don't think I'm really giving any spoilers away, but <laughs> Jerome breaks bad pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and at some point, he was really going to have to do something that was going to make him have, you know, have a split with, uh, with his daughter. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to make that as natural as possible, but it was very hard to get into the mindset of him because he's so far removed from my personality. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would never, ever, ever take things as far as Jerome does. <laughs> um, so having to get into his brain was very difficult and write him in a convincing way. And I, in a lot many ways, I still feel like I, I did not succeed mm-hmm. simply because in issue five, whatever, you know, when, when that, when the thing he does is so jarring, um, you know, I, I think it works, but I also think if I could have just figured him out a little better, mm-hmm. maybe I could have found a better way to do it. And that's after three or four versions of issue five that I had written going back and forth with my editor, little things here and there, picking apart, you know, you know, changing dialogue, rewriting issues, mm-hmm. you know, t- taking, you know, t- adding, subtracting. So it was, he was, uh, he was a challenge. Definitely. That <laughs> <laughs> so- sounds like it. That's, you know, it definitely ended in a, in a good place, but that, it's always interesting, like which character in, you know, is, is the hardest for someone to break into. I think it also uh, says a lot about a person, you know, like who's the furthest removed from them, I think says a lot about the creator. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, so in terms of like the world itself, you know, we, you talked about all of the, the kind of different layers of it and, and even the, you know, the different visual aspects. Was there any, was there any, you know, sort of like existing things in the world that you were kind of drawing from for inspiration for the world of Extremity? You know, I was looking a lot at, um, I, you know, I mentioned kind of Game of Thrones vibe. I was looking at a lot of uh, medieval um, architecture and kind of style of clothing and like armor mm-hmm. um and gosh you know i I'm, i bought a book like two years ago of just how castles were built okay which i don't think i used a ton uh-huh. but um there was an image of a castle i thought was really cool that i used for asmund's garrison in the first issue mm, yeah um so that was really fun you know i i used as much as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Eventually I start running out of time to do visual research, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I do as much as I can, but some, you know, and it's, it also depends, you know, if there's this moment in the book that really needs a solid selling point, not art really has to say it. And mm-hmm. then I will really take my time. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of the art, especially like with the art on the issue 10 cover, um, I was, I, I went to the art Institute of Chicago and I was, uh, taking pictures of like the tile mosaic uh, pieces of art mm. where uh, there are images made out of the actual tile. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also looking at a lot of like early, like uh, kind of the dark ages, like Byzantine art of like the images of Jesus and like Mary, but they're all cracked and eroded and they're all making these funny symbols with their hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that was a, that was a big inspiration there, a big influence. Mm-hmm. And um you know, for a lot of the world, it was just me. I mean, just because of time stuff, a lot of me yeah. designing stuff on the fly. You're just going with whatever. <laughs> um, I, have, I have a book of animal anatomy that I used for some of the stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I definitely used rhino anatomy for that big um, storm leviathan that you see in issue three. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or issue two. Uh, issue two. 
one of them. Issue two. Issue two. <laughs> issue two. I read. I read. Uh, I read the first arc in in the trade, and so like I I have no idea what issue is what. Yeah, it all runs together. Yeah. Also, there's no um, there's no covers in between the issues, yeah. so it all kind of reads together. I, I was I was actually wondering about that. Was that a conscious choice to make sure that every like the f- last page of an issue and the first page could run together like that? I, you know, I, I if I'm being honest, I think it's solely because um, there I all, so many of the issues go over in the page count mm. um, that they uh, they just ran out of room, and I think <laughs> price price for the trade paperback goes up quite a bit the more mm. pages you add depending you know there's like a threshold but you'll notice that the trade one of extremity is like 16.99 yeah yeah um it's because two of the issues go into 24 page category oh, wow. and the other then there's the rest are 22 mm-hmm. and there's only an issue five is 20 pages mm-hmm. but that's that adds up for a lot of extra content for most image issues that are 20 pages now yeah that's interesting that's cool uh, yeah, and so th- that that kind of actually that sort of brings up a question about um your process and stuff. So do you not necessarily map out like, you know, okay, here's what's happening page by page before you start? So Skybound really likes to likes me to work on likes me to have scripts okay. at the ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and to their credit, they actually asked me, you know, what my process for creating story was. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, you know, the more that I have to go on as I'm going into the art, the better the art and the overall story is going to be simply because I need to have a good foundation mm-hmm. to know that I'm putting in a time on something worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided to do scripts. And of course, the scripts are pretty laid back. You know, it's me basically explaining to my editors uh, what is happening <laughs> in the story and then with dialogue that's pretty, that's, that is, you know, I'm, that that's pretty set in stone. Um, and then we'll go, I'll go back and forth to my editors at skybound with it. Uh, a lot of times I'll have notes on dialogue or the pacing of things, or should this happen here or there? Mm-hmm. Um, and after that's solidified, I will do a, again, using that Cintiq, I'll thumbnail out the whole issue mm-hmm. at once. Wow. Um, and you know, skybound at this point really trusts me with my, with my like lay, laying out of pages and art and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I just send them that as a formality, you know, that I'm working on it. And then I just go page one, page two, page three, page a day. Wow. Um, working off that, working off my thumbnails. So you're, and, you're a guy um, who starts from the first page of the issue and goes to the last. You don't like uh, rearrange the order. Yeah. You know, I've tried to, I've tried other ways, but um, for me, it just works the best just because, you know, for every season, man, it's like some <laughs> days the pages are hard, some days they're easy, and it just. But if I start picking and choosing, mm-hmm. things get for me just get wonky. Mm. Um, and you know, sometimes that comes at a sacrifice. So if I'm working on the last page and it's really not working, yeah, you know, I may um, like scrap a panel and do some paste ups or whatever. Of course. Um, but I know when I know when something looks bad or when I could do better. Mm-hmm. And I know when there's some times where I just can't do better that day. And so I'll do my best. And then this happened on a new project. I did a panel and it was a big, like kind of half splash. Like really, I really needed to sell it and Mm -hmm. I worked hard on it. I did my best, but I looked at it the next day and I was, I very rarely do this, but I was like, you know, that really does not work. And so I redesigned that part of the page and I just literally took a new piece of paper and just pasted it over the old one. (laughs) Um, 
That's amazing. So that's more likely to happen than me jumping around because jumping around is just is is too much. Yeah, it's it's funny how like every artist has such a different uh, process, you know, all to sort of come to to a very similar end goal. Um, it's always interesting, sort of collecting, you know, and and figuring out those different methods uh, that everybody yep. has. Yeah, everybody's different. Are you so? Are you kind of like a, a a page a day kind of guy, where that's sort of your goal every day is to get one page done and then uh, go on that cycle, or or what's your timetable usually like? Page a day, uh, page pencils a day. and inks. Yep. Nice. Uh, that is, if I can finish a page a day, in one day, mm-hmm. that's a successful day. Mm. And if I can finish a page a day and maybe the pencils of a commission or something else or some mm. other emails that's a super successful day <laughs> um and i try and have at least two of those a week yeah um which usually happens Makes um, sense. and uh but just simply on a time schedule and also you just need to make money a page a day is the best mm. and healthiest for me it also keeps me keeps me on the straight and narrow you know it keeps me from spending too much time on something mm-hmm and it keeps me from spending too few too few hours on something. You know, it's like so this really healthy balance. And I know if this has to get done in a day, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to cutting corners sounds bad, but you know, it's just like I need to focus less on these these tiles or these bricks mm-hmm. that I'm drawing in panel two mm-hmm. and focus maybe more on this other thing that's really gonna help sell the page. Yeah. Um so, and I think it helps for me, at least in a sense of a sense of balance in my life, knowing that if I only have one day to do it, I do it, and it's done. Mm-hmm. Some pages are great, some pages are fine, some pages are bad, uh, but I walk away from it at the end of the day and just move on to the next one. Because yeah. that's what comics are about. It's not about one page or one image. It's about the whole thing. And so yeah. focusing on that as much as I can is um definitely best for me that's great are you do you have kind of like a daily sort of schedule or regiment like you know wake up at a certain time every day or or you know that type of schedule uh more so than i i should have a tighter one i used to wake up around 8 30 every day mm-hmm. uh, but since the baby has come it's been laying oh, me yeah. out of my ass so <laughs> um that is eventually eventually i'll get back onto a, some form of schedule now we wake up around 10 o'clock yeah and i wonder how i'm going to you know take care of my child <laughs> in the best way possible you know it's yeah. kind of kind of scary being a new dad but I'm sure um that's Holding taking up a lot of brain waves right now yeah you know but i eventually it'll i'm sure it'll we'll figure it out and uh <laughs> you know it's like well i have to work you know it's not like i can't go to work yeah um so and it's nice because i work from home too so things are flexible but I'll let you know when when, it, when, the, when the dust settles. You know, you right now it's like there's some things like I have covers to do and little things like emails and lettering stuff for uh, like proofreading and things like that for different stuff and writing scripts. And it's just I'm just getting to it when I can and yeah. have an hour here, have four hours here, you know, just wherever I can get in, I, I get in. Has anyone has any other like comics creator uh, given you advice on how to sort of adjust to this uh, to this period? You know, I have a Skype group with a few guys who are in professional comics and they have uh they've really been a huge help uh with calming me down during the pregnancy <laughs> to uh words of encouragement during uh you know the the first few days mm. and um you know 
I am working a little bit just because I have to, but for the most part, I am just kind of chilling out with the baby and doing my best to support my wife. So. Yeah, of course. Um, that's that's your job right now, man. Is seriously, um, <laughs> but you know when I I've already had some questions with like work life balance uh, for those guys, and they've already been a huge help. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome to hear. Um, well, I'm, I'm, you know, we're we're getting close to being done here, so you can get back to to helping your wife and stuff. Just have a, a few more sure. questions for you, and and thanks so much for being so generous with your time uh, while life is so, uh, you know, stressful and chaotic right now. Um, I so I'm wondering, you know, for your for your like, and this is kind of like a you know a technical question or whatever. So for forgive me for that, but uh, I'm wondering for like poses and gestures. You know, you seem to have a lot of very emotive um, posing and gesturing in your in your art. Do you look at reference for things like poses or do you typically just kind of like try and, you know, gesture it out with with, uh, you know, sort of a loose underdrawing? Um, I definitely do the latter. Mm. I almost never use uh, uh, um, reference. Mm. Um, I am the only time I really take photos of myself is when I have to when I draw my hand when I draw hands. OK. Um, but. As far as gestures, the only t- I always try and tackle it with a gesture drawing first, mm. and then if it's not working after that, I'll start introducing more and more tools to help me get it right. Because um, the first pass is always going to be the freshest and best. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the looseness is really a positive thing. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, see like all Kirby drawings ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. There are some days, though, where it's just not working or there's a pose that's just looking awkward. Mm-hmm. And then I have, you know, we've got the anatomy books and stuff to help me. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll give it to my Skype friends, my Skype comic guys who will, you know, shred it to bits if it's not working and teach, <laughs> tell me exactly what I need to do to fix it, which 99% of the time they're completely correct. Yeah. Um, I also have those like little, those like figures that with that I, you can stand up and they have like, the muscles for the oh yeah i have one for the man and the woman um that's awesome and uh those really help too but again you know those are that's like the last ditch that's like last the last uh the last bastion Mm -hmm. of trying to get a pose right some so much of it is just feeling it out yeah um and a lot of that is because a lot of that i feel comes from i do draw from life Mm -hmm. a fair amount and um I think that really helps when the more that I draw people in real life, mm-hmm. like on a train or, you know, just in a meeting or whatever, sitting and drawing people mm-hmm. and getting those gestures down when I have that reference right in front of me, it's almost like I'm solidifying my own brain, like, uh, like, 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 uh, me- like muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which really helps. That's good to know. That's awesome. Uh, and mm-hmm. what do you do to kind of like keep your, your skills sharp just in general? Like, is are there, you know, whether it be exercises or just, you know, drawing from life or books or whatever, like what, what's your big thing that helps you? Um, definitely drawing from life is probably the number one thing mm-hmm. and drawing people. Um, cause people are just, you know, perspective and, you know, drawing trees or clouds or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not like it, it's kind of it's a little bit like math, you know. But drawing people, like the better I can draw a human face, the better I can cur- I can make it a cartoon of a human face and make it look not just, you know, a same face, different hair. I'm always yeah. trying to avoid that when I can, um, while also not making it look too realistic. You know, I really do want it to be cartoony and fun, but um, yeah. that's the that's the goal. And drawing from life helps me achieve that. 
So I'd say definitely it's the it's the drawing from life is the biggest one. Cool. It's good to know. Good for all those artists out there, myself included. Actually, I'm like I I've been drawing my whole life, but uh, I'm just now getting in sort of this zone of of doing sequentials and stuff like that. And so there's there's so much like knowledge I'm trying to cram into my head to to you know make it better and sharpen it up. And so sucking in this yeah, basically what I'm telling you is this entire podcast is just a, a sham. It's all a selfish uh, quest for knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more than happy to share it. Of course, man. Um, Okay, and we talked about your music background. You know, you seemingly you know loved like heavy metal, and and uh, sounds like you have a bit of a history with punk rock and stuff. Uh, I'm curious, is there kind of a soundtrack to Extremity to you? Oh man, there's this uh, one of the main pieces of music that I was listening to mm-hmm. throughout writing. Um, not so much drawing, but writing was uh, I listened to a band, kind of like experimental. They're pretty weird. Mm-hmm. Um. I listened to this band called Death Blues. Okay, nice um, title. I love the name already. Yeah, I forget what the album title is, is called. They only have one album, hmm. but uh, the band is pretty awesome. Uh, it's it's weird, but it's just it's just like weird enough. It's not like totally off the rails. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a great it's a great like it's it's all instrumental, so it's just great writing music. Mm-hmm. Also, um, like movie soundtracks or I don't know. I listen to a lot of really sappy stuff <laughs> when I write, you know, and then when I draw, so much of it is like podcasts and stuff. Mm. When I draw and I just need to crank things out a lot of times, it's just like metal or um, I listen to a lot of Alison Krauss and Union Station. <laughs> <laughs> right as far as the soundtrack to Extremity, I mean, I, I'd say Death Blues is pretty good. That's awesome. I'm uh, I'm taking note of that right now. Um Awesome. Well, I, you know, I, I don't want to take up any more of your time. Obviously, you are very busy. You got a baby and a wife to get back to. Um, where can everyone find you uh, online? Yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Pretty active on both mm-hmm. uh, at Daniel Warren Art. And then uh, if you just Google my full name, you'll find everything else. Awesome. And uh, and then issue twelve of Extremity, the final issue, uh, as I've found out just today, of Extremity. <laughs> uh, what what day does that come out? Uh, it's uh, the first Wednesday of March. I don't know the exact date, mm. um, well, that's, that's but you also enough. can take heart in the fact that it's 30 pages long, Ooh. so it's a little bit bigger. Extra extremity. Okay. And then uh, let's see. The first Wednesday of March is March 7th. So awesome. make sure uh, everybody go out to your retailers and uh, order your copy. Uh, I, I mean, I guess final order cutoff is is already done, but like it'll still kind of help for those sales and, and get them over to that uh, second printing a little quicker. Um, Thanks, man course and uh and look out for whatever news or announcement of that mysterious uh new skybound project is from daniel uh make sure you follow him and keep up to date on all those things are they are they doing like a big hardcover collection of extremity it depends it depends how well the trade paperbacks do okay so if uh if enough people buy the trades then they i'm hoping they'll do a hardcover so (laughs) if you need to if you need birthday presents for people (laughs) there you go yeah go out and buy the trade buy buy enough to where not only are they forced to do a hardcover but maybe even like an artist's edition that's more of a selfish request but like that would be great i would love that (laughs) um awesome well thank you for joining the show daniel uh and to the listeners we hope you've enjoyed your time in the savage land
thatmightbecool.com. You never know. <laughs>